Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, a first death in Canada from COVID-19. We unfortunately have had a death here in British Columbia. We are deeply saddened to uh, to hear that uh, one of the residents of the Lynn Valley Care Home who was infected with COVID-19 passed away last night. The government considers provisions for people affected by the outbreak. We are looking at a a host of of things that we might be able to do to ensure that people have the capacity to deal with their personal challenge as they go through uh, what could be a difficult time. So that is an important thing that we need to do. At the same time, we, we need to be thinking about how we ensure that, broadly speaking, we're dealing with the, the parts of our economy that are going to be most challenged. And Premier Jason Kenney says Alberta is in uncharted economic territory. The challenge posed to this province and to Canada could not be more serious. This is not just about Alberta. Energy is the single largest subsector of the entire Canadian national economy. It is by far Canada's largest export industry. Hundreds of thousands of Canadians depend on the energy sector directly for their livelihoods. It's Tuesday, March the 10th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Mark. Obviously, the effects of the coronavirus are becoming more and more widespread all the time. Major decisions being made in other places like Italy, even in the United States. There have been events that have been shut down. Uh, Let's get up to date on what the Canadian government is doing. There's been a first death in this country as well, so that's significant. Uh, Are we on the verge of taking some of the steps, do you think, that have, have occurred in other countries? You know, it feels a little little that way. I went up to Parliament Hill yesterday just to see what, you know, what the effect was. And from something as simple as as, uh, asking MPs and and ministers, are you still shaking hands out there? Um, uh, Which is a staple of of politics, of course. It's it's in the job description, right? So many things about politics, I I wrote about this uh, today, are like a cruise ship, you know, on the very day that, <laughs> yeah. that uh, they ban traveling on a cruise ship. But it, it's a bunch of people forced into the same room in close quarters. Anybody watches those scrums, you see how closely people are talking and breathing on each other, uh, touching each other, traveling. Um, I I have been wondering how long politics, is, uh, Canadian politics, is going to be acting as usual throughout all this. Right? And I ran into kind of two kinds of politicians yesterday. The ones who were saying, look, it's no problem. Jagmeet Singh, the NDP leader, and Marco Mendicino made a big fuss of shaking hands in front of me. And then someone like uh, Champagne, the foreign affairs minister, global affairs minister, uh, saying, I'm trying not to shake as many hands. You know, I think, I think we are just seeing the beginning of this. It's a, it's a metaphor, <laughs> the handshaking thing for how much this is going to affect the day-to-day lives of the people who are making decisions about the day-to-day lives of Canadians. So we are seeing that um, uh, the Deputy Prime Minister was saying yesterday that they are considering worst-case scenarios now. Uh, We saw Bill Morneau saying we're going to have something coming this week about relief for Canadians who are economically affected by that in big ways and in small ways, if you have to stay home. Uh, if you're in quarantine. And we saw Patty Haidu, the health minister, saying that they're starting to order medical equipment in bulk supplies. Right. So I think 
we are coming to grips, um, but not touching grips with the idea that that this is going to affect the day-to-day lives of everybody, including the people up on Parliament Hill. Yeah. And one of them in particular, we should mention, Anthony Housefather, who's a Liberal MP from Quebec, uh, has placed himself into quarantine because he attended an event where there was a person uh, who has been diagnosed with the coronavirus. Yeah, that's interesting. I spoke to him yesterday. He's uh, he'll, He answers emails if you want to send him get well wishes. Uh, he was... Uh, he was on a panel at, um, I forget the exact acronym, but it's a, a political action committee um, to do with Israel, uh, in Washington on March 1st. He was on a panel with John Baird, uh, interestingly, who we haven't heard from yet, and they got a phone call on Sunday night, uh, Anthony told me, uh, from the United Jewish Appeal in Toronto saying that one of the Toronto attendees uh, had tested positive. So you saw Toronto Councillor Josh Matlow, also at that conference, uh, has put himself into isolation. Uh, There are two other MPs and Conservatives uh, besides that as well. Um, Carrie Diot and Michael Cooper were at another conference in Washington where people had tested positive. They so far are not isolating themselves. But this does really show that again, that that COVID-19 is hitting right in the heart of Parliament. That uh, yeah. uh, House Father says he's fine. He, it's been more than a week now since he was on that panel with John Baird, but he is um, abund- he's using an abundance of caution, he said, mm-hmm. and he's, uh, he's waiting to, to hear from Toronto Public Health about when he can go back to work. We've talked about the fact that the government is uh, in the process of, of securing provisions for people who might need them. Uh, that's an important part of this process. There is also, of course, the economic impact that is already being felt on the stock markets in North America and beyond. Uh, and people are wondering if this will trip Canada into a recession, what impact that might have on the government's finances, on the budget, which is expected in the next few weeks. Uh, what's your sense of all of that and how the government might be grappling with that issue? Huge topic on Parliament Hill yesterday. And, you know, if these were normal times, and I think we're all starting to forget what normal times are, um, we would be asking what date is the budget, and it would be a fun kind of guessing game exercise for organizational purposes. Now we are asking because we don't know, and I think the government the sense I get is still wrestling with this. Do you wait to see whether things calm down or get worse uh, before delivering a budget? Or do you go right away? And I think there are two minds on that. People are still um, debating whether it's going to be toward the end of the month. Do you push it into April? John Manley on the weekend, the former finance minister and deputy minister, was saying that he would do an economic statement instead of a budget at this point, because things are so uncertain. We've also got a First Minister's Conference coming up at the end of the week, uh, which in bygone days was going to deal with something called the Fiscal Stabilization Plan. Right. It, 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 it's almost crazy to think of stabilizing something right now when things are so tumultuous. But um, Bill Morneau, uh, out of news, he held a news conference late yesterday after the markets closed, not to make any specific announcements, but I think the purpose was to calm things down a bit and saying, look, uh, Canada does have enough room to move in this. 
we did have we do have contingency plans and contingency money. Uh, the same message was coming from the deputy prime minister uh, Christopher Freeland in in the house yesterday. So <clears throat> I I do think that the budget is a day by day planning exercise right now, and that they have not yet settled on a date. Yeah, how serious do you think this could be, though, for this government? There are uh, people who are pointing out that a recession effectively brought down Stephen Harper in a way, uh, and, and uh, he had to he had to deal with a number of different economic cycles in in his time. Uh, what about how the impact this could have on this government? I, again, there is a weaselly way of answering, but there are two schools of thought on that. One is that. Uh, Canadians are seeing that um, everything is uncertain right now and and understanding that Justin Trudeau's government didn't cause this crisis um, or the multiple crises that uh, have been affecting it, and it's how it deals with it. So uh, as long as it projects calm, um, we can handle this. Stephen Harper did that during the 2008 crash, you know, with the bailout for the auto companies. So I, there is the other one that says, you know, when Canadians start hurting, the government starts hurting too. And, and the potential for Canadians to be hurt in all this is huge. If you are somebody who is relying on your investment funds for imminent retirement, and those are the same age of people who vote, um, then you will be um, nervous, and nervous people don't re-elect governments. So I, I do think all of that is is sort of swirling around the government at the moment. It was, you know, three weeks ago when you and I were talking, we were saying how much of a hit would the government was going to take for the blockades and the, the paralyzation of of the rail traffic. And now we're uh, we're talking about something of bigger magnitude altogether. Yeah. Now let's talk about Alberta because yesterday Jason Kenney, the Premier of Alberta, talked about the province being in uncharted territory when it comes to the economy. Uh, he's saying he will not, under any circumstances, introduce a provincial sales tax, which Alberta still doesn't have. But uh, he says the effects of uh, declining oil prices and other factors are really threatening the province's economy. Uh, what what options are at his disposal? What impact is this going to have on Alberta? I think you know he he was uh, he 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 was very uh, candid about the fact that, and, and this shows again to the federal government the dangers of making a budget. It's not so long ago the Kenny government introduced a, a budget that relied on 38 percent increase in energy royalties, and uh, you know oil prices are are spiraling downward. Uh, we're going to hear about that this week if. I still think it's a if if the the prime minister and the the um, first ministers meet. I don't know. I I have a feeling that's that's going to take a different shape. Maybe maybe not. But um, I, I, Kenny's options are just to brace Albertans for even worse times. He's saying um, that this couldn't have come at a worse time. We were already reeling in from economic stagnation, and now. We have this. I think there will be, of course, as um, provinces always come to the First Minister's meeting asking for money. Now, I think if you remember last year when all the provinces got together to, fu- to make their list of what they wanted from the federal government, health care was at the top of the list. And that was before 
we saw this virus. So I would expect this year, you're going to be hearing a lot from Kenny and um, First Ministers this week about more money into health care. Yeah. All right. We will see what happens as this crisis develops and continues. Susan, thank you for joining us today. Probably changed while we're talking. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Susan. Okay, thanks, Mark. That's Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. We unfortunately have had a death here in British Columbia. We are deeply saddened to to hear that um, one of the residents of the Lynn Valley Care Home who was infected with COVID-19, passed away last night. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In an editorial, the Toronto Star considers the importance of leadership in the coronavirus crisis. The Star writes, In Canada, the crisis is bringing out the best in government. Medical professionals are taking the lead, while politicians have stayed off to the side. We shouldn't take this for granted. We don't have to look far to find the opposite, a leader only interested in how the crisis might affect his political prospects, who undercuts medical professionals and plays fast and loose with the truth about the most serious public health threat in years. In the Globe and Mail, Answer Dowd argues society is only as strong as our least cared-for person. He writes, While new research continues to expand experts' understanding of COVID-19, there is a lesson that is more obvious if we take the time to notice it. Humanity's health is collective because humanity is so connected. The coronavirus has demonstrated that everyone's well-being relies, at least to some extent, on everyone else's. Our health is only as safe as the worst cared for, most vulnerable individuals in our society. In the National Post, Sean Spear argues we shouldn't expect the Liberal budget to rein in spending. Spear writes, Federal budget making is messier and more complicated than the finished product implies. Even more so, the case in a minority parliament. This is the situation in which Finance Minister Bill Morneau finds himself. He and his team are currently working on the 2020 federal budget, and it's hard to see a scenario in which the outcome isn't higher spending, larger and longer deficits, and bigger government. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. A coalition of groups will be on Parliament Hill this morning to call on Finance Minister Bill Morneau to table a transformative budget when he introduces the spending plan sometime in the next few weeks. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more. Mark, the groups meeting at 10 a.m. Eastern Time in the West Block Press Conference Room on Parliament Hill include prominent labour unions, climate and environmental groups, citizens' justice advocates and Indigenous groups. They are all calling for a transformative budget, which has become a bit of a buzzword these days, but what they are asking for is major investments from the federal government in the economy to favour a transition towards a cleaner, more sustainable and more worker and Indigenous-friendly economy. But the one thing nobody knows is exactly when the object of their lobbying, the federal budget, will happen. The biggest question in Ottawa these days is exactly when the finance minister will be tabling his budget. Normally it would be expected in the coming two to three weeks, but the events and the growing impact of the coronavirus on the economy may change that schedule. Some people are arguing it might be wiser to wait to see the full impact and disruption caused by the coronavirus. One thing's for certain, Finance Minister Morneau is waiting until after the meeting of the First Ministers at the end of this week, but for more than that, so far, the Finance Minister has been mum on the date when he will be bringing down his budget document. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will attend the cabinet meeting and question period before meeting with the chairman of the presidency of Bosnia and Herzegovina. 
and conservative members of the Standing Committee on Veterans Affairs will be questioning Veterans Affairs Minister Lawrence McCauley. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, March the 10th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.